0: I think that it's, it's all about creating empathy, right. and, and putting putting yourselves in the, in the shoes of, of those that will be using your product, and then having people at every level of that process of des, um, research, design, build, even down to, to, to test, to make sure that everyone's involved in, in understanding why we're making the decisions that we're making.
1: Hi I'm Mike Green and welcome to Understanding Users, the podcast where I chat candidly with UX design and research professionals from around the world to hear about how they build digital products and services in a user-centred way. And now a word from our sponsor. Oxford Insights are specialist researchers helping governments and public sector organisations around the world understand and harness technology for public good, from AI to data governance to business analysis. Oxford Insights take a clear, user-centred approach, co-designing projects with you to help define the problem, your approach to solving it, and what success looks like for you, whether that's a new national strategy, a pilot program, a network of like-minded people from around the world, a media event, or a startup accelerator. Their AI Readiness Index, which they've run for the last five years, or the Human-Centered Design Index that they launched last year. Both help countries understand where they stand relative to their peers and how and where to start improving their performance. With 15 years of experience, credibility and global exposure, the team at Oxford Insights is the key reference point for those seeking to deliver public innovation and bring future policy issues to the centre of government and the public sector today. To find out more about their work, visit OxfordInsights.com. This is the first in a short series of bite-sized conversations with UX design and research leaders discussing a range of topics, recorded live at the UXDX conference in New York in May 2023. In this episode, Alex Wilson of T. Rowe Price shares his experiences of working with a team to create an in-house design system and the lessons they learned along the way. He also reflects on the role of AI, where we are with it and where we're going. Thanks for listening and enjoy the episode. My name is Alex Wilson. I am the uh, lead engineer on the design system at T. Rowe Price.
0: So, really, I'm, I, I work across a couple different roles. Um, I'm the tech lead for the project, but I'm also the engineering manager. So, kind of manage the team, make sure that we're on the right track for the design
1: system and, and the ways that we're working, but also making sure that people are adopting what we're building. And, and your talk yesterday about the design system was was really interesting. And, and tell us more about kind of what you hope the audience took away from it? What were your kind of key messages? Well, we have a, um,
0: a, a number of different different types of people in the audience. We've got people from products, tech, design, UX. So it had to be slightly broad, but mine was more focused on the, the technical side of the design system. Um, what I was really hoping for people to get away from, um, take away from the talk was how we're using the web, like web standards to really build our design system to make sure that it's uh, sustainable we didn't want to lock ourselves in with a framework for this type of project. Frameworks are great for applications. Um, and when I say framework, I'm talking about a JavaScript framework like React or Angular. Um, by using web standards, we're building uh, something that c- is natively supported by the web, meaning that we don't have to change in a few years when technology changes, um, which is an exciting move for us, but I wanted to share that with the group in hopes that others would also follow that same path. Um, and uh, what I was really interested to see was that there were a lot of designers that were really interested in the talk as well, because they were interested in bringing this information back to their teams and, and, and kind of continue
1: those ways of working back, uh, back at home base. So what advice would you give to an organization that wanted to establish a design system? Well, it's a long road, but
0: it's, it's one that provides a ton of value. So what I would first start off with is understanding your organization and their needs. Um, if it's a very small organization, um, maybe a startup, there may not be a need right away to create a design system. But if you have a number of different products, or if your company is acquiring other companies, and you have a need to uh, make sure that the experience is consistent, or you have a need to reduce duplication in code um, or across design, um, then you might, you might try to create a design system at that point. Um, but then I would really focus on the value because you've if you're, if you're in higher level leadership, then you might be making the decision of whether you want to go forward with the design system. But if you're maybe a developer or a designer, then you've got to make that pitch. And in order to do that, you have to show the value. And I would take a look at other, peop- other companies in the industry and uh, see what they're doing,
1: show that value, and then start it up from there. Um, and moving on, if we can, sure. to AI and machine learning and kind of language models and that, because obviously there's a lot of talk Uh, We've heard some of the discussions around that here at the conference. Yeah, What's your view on that and and, and where we are and where we're going?
0: Well, I think we're at a really interesting stage with AI, and it's such a broad topic. Um, But we're seeing a lot of of improvements in the space, but I think we're in this testing phase. We're trying to see what works, what doesn't work. A lot of people are creating these small products, spinning them up, sending them out, and seeing if people respond. And I think that uh, it will... Help improve our processes. Um, if we don't have, again, going back to like this, like a, the startup type of um, way of working, you may not have a ton of people to bounce ideas off of. If we have this type of AI to bounce those ideas off of, or say, can you give us a number of variants on this this idea? Then you can have that divergent thinking that we're all looking for, and then we can take those ideas, bring them closer, and like refine them into into something that we can we can build.
1: So how do you see, Alex, uh, artificial intelligence affecting the way that designers, researchers, kind of UX folks and devs approach new product design, new service design? Well, I
0: think it's just going to expedite things and, and, and kind of abstract away some of the annoyance of the day-to-day work. So I know that I use ChatGPT to just, you know, it's, maybe you rephrase something or um, Quickly, uh, can you give me some information about how to code this certain thing up? Now, everything's not going to be right right away. Now, I think that uh, someone mentioned it recently, um, and I like the way that they said it. They said that uh, ChatGPT and other, um, other models, like similar similar models, they have 100% confidence, but not 100% accuracy. Right. And so, we've got to understand that, that we can't just plug these things in right away, and assume that they'll work but we can take it as a starting point, and I think that's the way we should look at it. So what excites you about the possibilities of, of these tools? What excites me is that uh, it expands on our ways of thinking. We have our own narrow mental model of how everything should work, but if we're able to ask these tools that have the entire uh, scope of like how everyone's been thinking over the past, who knows how many years that the data's been aggregated from, then we can expand on the way that we're thinking and we're not limited to just our own way of working. If we, maybe we don't have, if we're thinking about accessibility, we're not putting ourselves in others', other's shoes, maybe if it's thinking about a different way of working in terms of accessibility, we can uh, we can include those in our, in our designs and in our in our tech to make sure that we're constantly improving in that space
1: and we're not just limited to our own right. And what about the downsides? You know the inbuilt biases, the the hallucinations. We've heard a lot about. You know, what's your view on that?
0: Well, it's going to be challenging for those that are starting up their own systems. We're seeing, uh, of course, Amazon, Google. They like we have this competition, but competition is good. And if one's failing to, um, and there there, there's a lot of bias in their tool. Others are going to go to that other tool. So there's the, the competition. I think is going to help with making sure that these systems are better overall. Um, But it is a major issue, and I think that the data has to be diverse
1: enough to make sure that there are less bias in in the results. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Understanding Users. If you enjoyed what you heard, do please like or comment wherever you're listening, and feel free to share this episode more widely. And feel free, of course, to drop me a line with any feedback via LinkedIn or my website, researchable.uk. Thanks as well to our sponsor, Oxford Insights. Join me again next time when I'll be sharing some more insights from digital design professionals. Until then, stay safe and stay user-centred.